what happens to a child as they end their time in primary and enter elementary? Well, they start to look different. <laughs> they really start to look different. So we start to see children that are um, behaving differently from the child they've been sometimes the day before. Mm-hmm. And Montessori really saw this extensively in her observations, and it became a, a basis of her work to recognize that there are different stages that children go through in their development. Um, and those different stages require different environments and different approaches, and the adults have to function differently for those stages as well. Mm-hmm. So you talk about physical appearance. Can you give me an example? Well, this is when we start to notice that that soft baby hair is getting coarser and those cute chubby cheeks are getting leaner. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have these physical changes. And of course, there's a big physical change that we all notice. Can you guess? Mm. (laughs) Why don't you tell me? When they start to lose their teeth. Yeah. You know, that tends to be the some of the physical signs that this babyhood is over Mm -hmm. and uh, childhood has, has begun. And these things Montessori observed as well, and, and we see it, you know, throughout our culture, um, that that we mark the end of babyhood and the beginning of childhood around the age of six. So what is what did, what did Montessori call that? What does she call these stages? She called them the four planes of development. She she broke them up into roughly six years each. Um, and these four planes of development span, you know, childhood to uh, maturity around the age of 24. And each of these stages she called a rebirth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the children are essentially reborn. The child we had before used the absorbent mind, the sensitive periods to drive self-construction. And this child in the elementary doesn't use those same powers. There's a big shift and we have to respond to that. So aside from physical changes, um, what emotional and intellectual and what is, what's happening inside? <laughs> so much. <laughs> right. But there's so much. It's interesting because in this stage of development, the physical change isn't huge beyond we notice that their bodies are getting taller. You know, so right. we see that. We see that they're getting taller we see but otherwise that's about that's pretty steady and stable but inside there's a lot going on because this is an age where children are developing their intellectual independence they're really becoming um, members of our culture and understanding the culture that they're in okay so they become more independent i would guess yeah they're pretty independent when they come in Mm -hmm. at age six they can you know when you compare that to the child that newborn right of course (laughs) Um, and so they've got that independence but they need some independence in their thinking Mm -hmm. and they're they have a new reasoning mind that's developing Mm -hmm. in their in their brains so the absorbent mind that needed to just take everything in so that that young child could learn that absorbent mind is um fading and the reasoning mind sort of I mean it's not like the reasoning mind didn't exist before Mm -hmm. but it um it you know it didn't dominate and now it's starting to dominate. These children want to know the answers to why of everything. Mm-hmm. They want I mean they'll bother us like crazy to get the answers. Um, so those are things um, that we'll really see in the in how their mind starts to change. 
Um, the other thing we'll see, or another really strong power at this time, is the imagination. And so the imagination really drives how a child acquires knowledge in this plane of development. And so imagination was not as strong before in the first plane, and it's sort of, is it paired with the reasoning mind that it is more applicable to this child? Mm -hmm. It really is the way that a child of this age uh, learns is through their imagination. Humans have an imagination from, you know, the time they're born all the way through till the time we die. Right. But at this stage, it really drives because it can take uh, imagining, Montessori said, you know, imagining for the older child is what touching was for the younger child. So imagine that younger child who's touching and tasting all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what the imagination does for the six to 12 year old. It's mm -hmm. sort of touching and tasting everything through history and other cultures around the world and everything they're trying to learn to study an atom and bacteria or to study space. All of that, it's the imagination that, that powers that. And we continue to use that as adults as sure. well. But uh, it really fires brightly in this stage of development. And I think that they can, I'm assuming they can differentiate between the imagination and what's happening right in front of them. Yes, right? yes. I think that's a big thing. Too, yes, probably. which younger children have a hard time mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. um, because they're just learning everything. So right. older children have the life experience to make those distinctions. Mm. So what else? So elementary children are uh, really driven to work in groups. Okay. So prior to the age of six, they're working mostly individually. And we all know this as you know, parallel play. Children are working alongside of each other, but they don't work um, together so much. It's mm -hmm. not like they don't ever talk to each other, but, but we have in the elementary, they start to want to work in groups. They have come in at age six, as you know, <laughs> yes. with no skills no. at doing that really at all. Uh, so we have to support them, but they have a real drive too. Uh, so a lot, a lot of the work that we do, most of the work we do in the elementary will be small group work to okay. support that instinct. Mm -hmm. So lessons and then follow-up work would all be not in small yep. groups. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, do these children ever work independently? Yeah, sometimes, uh, but they it's not usually what they want to right. do. I mean, we all need breaks from people on occasion, but they right. definitely want to work together in groups. Do you feel like that, I mean, I, I feel like it works for this child. I kind of know the answer to it, but um, does that ever inhibit their work, being too social? Well, I mean, sort of in the same way it inhibits ours as adults, right? You know, I mean, honestly, and so what they have to learn is what happens when your sociability interferes with your work. That's the, And the only way they're going to learn that, much like the only way most of us learned this, mm -hmm. is through experience. Yep. So they need the experience of getting distracted and not getting work done and dealing with the consequences of that. Right. Uh, we, can't, we can't stop it from happening, but we can support their thinking about it and planning for the next time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've talked about reasoning mind, talked about all the physical changes, independence, I guess, imagination, what other, group work. Group work, yeah. Along with group work and sort of this newly awakened social sense is that they are really developing a moral sense. Um, so a young child might 
you know, five, six, seven come and tattle a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily tattling because they want to get another child in trouble. They really are tattling to get a clear moral sense of what is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. When I was practice teaching in a primary environment, a six-year-old came running up at recess and was saying, oh, those children are climbing the trees. And, we're, and I said, oh, what do you think about that? Well, we're not allowed to climb trees, he says. And I said, you're right. We are not allowed to climb trees here at the school. So what are you going to do to take care of that? I'm going to go tell them. And he marched right off. And his primary um, adults that had been working with him you know, kind of said, well, you know, he always tattles. And I said, oh, that wasn't tattling. Mm-hmm. That was wanting reassurance that he knew the rule. Right. He needed that because his moral sense is starting to emerge. So we see a really strong like sense of justice and fairness, Mm -hmm. but it's because they need to start figuring it out. They need practice. Sure. And I think it comes off as tattling because they'll tattle or have a moral, they'll they'll want justice over a really small thing. Yes. Which is why I think adults sort of think it's tattling because it's about, you know, right. knows what, the paper's in the wrong place or someone didn't throw their orange peel away. You know, you know what I mean. Right. And, the last thing they actually want most of the time is for me to, you know, publicly torture that other child for mm-hmm. the repercussions. Like, that's not what they're asking for. They really, like, that child was so satisfied. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to go back and tell them. That's wonderful. Yeah. Did he transition to elementary he after did. that day? <laughs> <laughs> well, after that day, he should have probably. Yeah, right? That's a green light. Um, so there's another one I want to talk about is um, hero worship. Yeah, so at this age, because they're starting to become so socially aware and because they're trying to figure out how society works and their own moral sense, they start to look for pe- at people as heroes. Mm-hmm. So we see them looking up to other humans. Mm-hmm. They look up to other humans that they know, but they also look up to humans that they don't know. And uh, they'll do this without a lot of, um, they don't do a lot, you know, they're not very selective in some ways. Mm -hmm. So particularly when it comes to us as guides in the classroom, the six-year-olds are going to love us. They're going to worship us no matter what. So we have to be very sure that we are adults worthy of that worship. Yes, they're very trusting. Yes. To a scary amount. Yes. on a scary level. Yeah. yeah. So we have to be sure that we're worthy of that. And yeah. We have to really bring our best selves to the classroom and make sure that we're not taking advantage of that. But they also love, you know, heroes throughout history. Mm-hmm. So we're going to tell stories about heroes, known and unknown, um, to help them recognize what they are capable of or what humans are capable of, to have them thinking what they could be doing. Mm-hmm. I've also seen that they... they almost like that transition that translates to cities or animals or organizations that sort of awe inspiration yeah. with this yeah. aged child it's really great really good inspiration for work right <laughs> so what kind of work can we expect from this child speaking of work so children in this stage of development are not going to do they're not driven by those sensitive periods so they're not gonna do and repeat something you know, 50 times because it's satisfying some inner urge. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to see that same repetition in their work, 
the work that elementary children have to do has to be repetition through sort of elaboration and variety. So you're gonna see children um, uh, doing bigger and more and better, and that's where we're gonna see that repetition. And with that, we start to see a sort of a characteristic uh, called great work. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where children will put this maximum intellectual effort into massive projects and problems, you know, that children will do not just a multiplication into the millions on the checkerboard, but make their own extra, you know, categories beyond so that they yeah. can do a larger multiplication problem. They love to do it. Mm -hmm. um, they want to build a scale model of the universe. They want to, you know, build a dinosaur. I mean, they, they, they want to do this great work. So we should be seeing in the classrooms lots of opportunity for great work to happen. But great work also could be a really heated and and uh, intense debate. Right. It right. could be an intense philosophical conversation. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of ways it manifests in the classroom, uh, but we will see this sort of big work happening on a regular basis. I even saw six-year-olds trying to do big work, and it, it wasn't good, but it was... It took them forever. They made this really big um, number line, and it was just putting numbers in order, which I thought was fine. But it encouraged them to keep working on something for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I remember thinking I should, oh, I should stop them. But then I thought, no, because it's establishing that sort of, um, that's what we do in the classroom. That's how right. we work here. We it get goes on really. We get really excited about something. We get mm -hmm. to work on it as long as we want, and we can create you know, a mediocre product right. or, or, or a really amazing product, but we don't get an amazing product without a lot of practice at mediocre, right? <laughs> right? I mean, very true, very um, true. they have to be able to repeat and be able to build upon that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned variety of work. Do you mean subject matter or lessons we give or both? All of it. Yeah. yeah. Lots of variety. So we have to resist that temptation to just do math and language yes. because it's in the common core or whatever and really focus on giving these children. They, I mean, they want to know everything. Oh, yeah. Everything in the universe. Truly. So we have to give them, the Montessori says, the maximum number of seeds possible to... Uh, spark and continue to drive their interest forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like that about the Montessori Elementary. One thing I found really fascinating was how much emphasis she puts on geometry and how much better geometry is in Montessori than it was when I learned it in yeah. school. Yeah, it's I felt boring. I fell in <laughs> love with geometry in Montessori training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so these second playing children sound pretty great. They're pretty incredible. And, and, because they're so different, and it is essentially a new child from the child who was in the first plane, yeah. it does mean that we have to really look at how we're going to respond to these massive intellectual needs and social needs. Mm -hmm. And so the classroom changes, the approach changes, and we as adults, like we have to inspire them so in a different way from primary so all of that are things that we have to we have to dig into to be able to uh, really respond to their their needs thanks for listening 
If you have any questions or comments, please email us at allthingsmontessoripod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at at allthingsmontessori. Jamie and I are dedicated to continuing the conversation, and we hope you tune in next time for more discussion.